You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Time now to have a look at the news of South Africa over the weekend, or from South Africa over the weekend, and indeed maybe the last week or two, because Katie Katapodis, our resident commentator, has been in the country of her ancestors for the last month or so, diving for sea urchins, basking on sun-drenched beaches, eating sardines and octopus and beautiful salads and ripe tomatoes. But now she's come back to reality. Katie Katapodis is the head and founder of Nala Media. Katie, welcome back to reality. And what a reality it has been. It's certainly been a very somber welcome home, uh, Lindsay. South Africa making headlines, um, not just in Africa, but around the world for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Yes, indeed. I was going to say, um, I was actually going to give you the, these uh, couple of paragraphs, which I'm going to do anyway. So you've been having a lot of fun, and I envy you. But no, anyway, the reality has probably just started to sink in, and I'll embellish it now if I can. Two murders in South Africa lit a touch paper of protests that spoiled President Cyril Ramaphosa's bid to showcase the continent's top investment destination. The shooting of a South African taxi driver, allegedly by a Nigerian drug dealer, ignited a wave of violence against African immigrants and looting as political and business leaders arrived in Cape Town for the World Economic Forum in Africa meeting, prompting condemnation from regional governments. It goes on to say the following. That was followed by large demonstrations against femicide. A woman is murdered every three hours and 40,000 rapes are reported in South Africa each year after the killing of a 19-year-old UCT student who was violated and bludgeoned to death at a post office. That last story affected me deeply, Katie, because I couldn't believe it. It was 12 noon, it was in Claremont, a rich suburb, and apparently this chap acted with impunity and without detection. It's extraordinary. He acted with absolute impunity. And in fact, when she went to the post office, um, he said to her, their systems were online and please could she come back a little bit later. It was on her return to the post office, which for most of us is just such an ordinary mundane chore um, that you think nothing of it. So on her return to the post office, I think it was at around 4.30 in the afternoon, she found the post office locked and he was alone there. And that is when uh, that is when she was, as you, as you rightly say, it sends shivers down my spine just to say it when she was raped and bludgeoned to death. It is absolutely horrific. It has resulted in many, many calls, a loud chorus of calls from both men and women to say enough is now enough. If we cannot even go to the post office, Lindsay, where is a woman safe? We are not safe in our cars. We're not safe in our homes. We're not safe on the streets. Now you cannot even go about an ordinary mundane chore like going to the post office. And this this violent, violent murder has really touched a very raw nerve with South Africans, many of whom, by the way, have been sharing their deeply, deeply personal and traumatic stories. Yeah, there are so many stories. I think everyone knows someone who's got a story or has a story themselves. Mm. A good, very good friend of mine who's been living in Europe for a while came back to South Africa for a month recently, and I was speaking to her, and she was paralyzed with fear. She said the sense of liberation and of freedom being in a, country, a law-abiding country where she's been living for a couple of years is the complete antithesis of what Cape Town stands for at the moment. So she went out to try and buy, find pepper spray because she felt so terrified about going out alone and she always goes out with somebody now. And the shops were sold out. It's an untenable situation. The situation is certainly untenable. And 
and and the very sad thing for us is that it's become a normal part of South African life and South African psyche until women have to stand up and say enough is enough, you know, and we won't accept this anymore. And it's actually not normal. It's not normal to fear for our lives like this as women. Politicians, of course, being uh, being called on to take a stand, a stronger stand than what's happening. But the truth is, Lindsay, that I think it's in our hands in terms of, of 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 women, I think it's how we raise our young boys. If we if we must be totally frank, that's where I'm turning my attention because I keep saying, what can I do in my space to create a better and safe society? And in my space, I can raise my two young boys to hopefully be decent and civil human beings who 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 won't grow up to be monsters whom society absolutely fears and loathes and detests yes and break the curse of the patriarchal society that's the, mm. that's the deep-seated problem i think over the centuries very much so and i think if we all you know really make an effort to to change those deep deep seated and deep rooted patriarchal so-called norms and i use that in inverted commas hopefully we'll start making a difference i think it's going to take a very long time though i think it's going to take years i think there is a culture of 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 abuse particularly when it comes to women and the issue of femicide is not easily um uh, understood or resolved for that matter i must admit that to my horror there's been a resurgence of the bring back the death penalty on social media mm. um Again, putting my very personal hat on, I don't think that is the answer. I don't think that is the answer, but I do believe that it talks to a country's absolute uh, um, desperation with trying to really sort out uh, a situation that is leaving us all quite paralysed. I don't think the people that perpetrate these type of crimes really are sensitive enough to worry about the death penalty. They'll say, well, you know, it's either 20 years in prison or 10 years in prison or, or being hung or uh, injected or something. I don't think they really care because they're very, very strange human beings, in my opinion. I'm hoping that what will make these people care, and when I say these people, I mean criminals, is if we start seeing our courts and our judiciary and our justice system be a lot stronger. What's happening now is that there is a sense and a belief that because our policing is so weak and and um, if something makes it onto a court roll, it's likely to be lost or postponed and a docket is likely to vanish. If we can strengthen that, then I believe we're on the right track. Katie, tell me about the, the sense of freedom you felt when you were in Greece over the uh, last month. Did you feel the liberation that I feel when I leave South Africa? And it's a terrible thing to say, but it's a terrible reality. How did you feel? Well, it certainly is a moment to breathe. It certainly is a moment to exhale um, because the reality is that we are not safe in our homes. Um, and it's going to take a lot of work, Lindsay. It's going to take a lot of work to get us to the point where we are. So it was very much a moment of let's exhale. But it's very short-lived, and you know it's for a brief moment in time, and you do yearn to come back home. Um, even with all its issues and all its problems, you do yearn to come back home and to and to get to the point where you say, all right, let's now mobilize. Let's hopefully start doing something that that we don't feel the sense of relief, actually, when we are leaving our shores, but actually feel that we can experience this in our own homes as well. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the good things that's come out of the extraordinary events of the last uh, week or so is the mobilisation of tens of thousands of people marching to Parliament. Whether that mobilisation will be noticed by... I mean, I know Sora Ramaphosa came out and, and, and spoke to the crowds, but I just don't know if there's going to be any meaningful follow-up in the, in the short term. But at least people almost did a Hong Kong in a short form fashion, if you see what I mean. But at least we got out onto the streets and said, enough is enough.
I loved what happened on the streets of Cape Town. I think it's exactly what needs to happen and more of those peaceful demonstrations and protests need to happen. I have no, unfortunately, I, I have no faith in politicians solving this problem. I don't think it's going to be the politicians. I certainly don't think it's going to be the male politicians who are going to, to solve this crisis that South Africa is currently experiencing, which in itself is a very, very sad state of affairs. What do you think about the xenophobic violence? Because this has been a problem for a couple of decades now. It flares up because of one incident, occasionally one incident, as I said in my introduction, about the murder of a South African taxi driver, allegedly by a Nigerian fellow, has sparked this latest wave of violence. But I also think it's, it's to do with frustration and unemployment and poverty and general breakdown of social social infrastructure. I think it's got to do with all of that. We also need to start asking some very, very serious questions about visible policing and strong policing. There are many uh, migrant traders who were speaking in the Johannesburg city centre last week and whose account is a horrifying account because they're saying my shop was being looted, burnt, I was being threatened and police were nowhere to be seen. And these are questions that have to be answered. Why are police nowhere to be seen? Why is there not a stronger policing and more visible policing in these areas and really a zero tolerance approach. But there is a sense that I can get away with it. So there has to be this zero, zero tolerance. I find the whole thing abhorrent and absolutely horrific. Uh, we saw a flare up again yesterday afternoon and it's resulted in yet another two people dying. So so it really is something that needs to stop. And I'd like to hear our leaders across the board, both political leaders, social leaders, just say stop. Stop this violence and stop this madness and stop these xenophobic attacks. And the reality is there are xenophobic attacks. The SAPS and government won't call them that. They're calling them acts of criminality. I think let's call it what it is because then at least we can deal with it. I did something reckless the other night, Katie. I thought to myself, I want to test the, the mood in Cape Town at the moment. It was Saturday night. I walked from my hotel at the foreshore in Cape Town towards Greenpoint. And uh, I put a backpack on my back and I thought, well, I look like a tourist. I wonder what's going to happen to me. Within five minutes, I was accosted three times by people, uh, not accosted in a violent way, but followed and spoken to in a nasty way. Give me money. You've got to give me money. You need this. And I thought, this is the mother city. This is one of the most beautiful destinations in the world, according to any travel site you go to. And I knew it was going to happen, but I just wanted to test the waters. And the waters were infested, unfortunately. Mm -mm. And I wonder if that's, I mean, it's certainly reflective of what's happening in South Africa at the moment. But the reality is, Lindsay, I also think it's reflective of what's happening in big cities around the world. My family and I were followed in the Athens city centre. Um, just two weeks ago, actually, while doing our shopping, there was a very, very strange man who just happened to be walking in and out of every single shop that we walked into. Yes. Um, what, what, what raised the alarm for me after I noticed him is that we were going into many toy shops. I've had my two young children with me. He had no business to be going into these shops. Um, so it was a very, very scary moment, actually, once we realized that this man was following us, when we did deliberate and purposeful detours going into places we wouldn't ordinarily um, and he was coming into every nook and cranny that we went into it certainly made me realize that we've got to be very vigilant wherever we are in the world what was he after and what was the upshot of what happened well ultimately we ended up going into a a rather large store and hoping to get lost in that store to see where he was um, and what he would do he didn't enter 
because I think he noticed us noticing him mm. at some point. Um, there was no visible policing around there either. There was no security because we were on the lookout for that as well um, in order to alert somebody to this man who'd been following us for the past 25 minutes or so. Um, and eventually we stayed in that store for far longer than expected. When we walked out, we were very, very careful. He didn't appear to be in sight at all. We, we, we jumped into a taxi and off we went. So it's not a South Africa-specific story here. I don't know if that's comforting or actually even more depressing. Okay, overseas now, Brexit and Boris Trump and the Taliban. Have you been following international events? I have been following international events. I have been following Donald Trump and this bizarre, the only way I can describe it, so-called secret meeting that was to happen and then cancelled at the last minute. The fact that he could think about hosting, if it's true, by the way, because I don't quite buy that it's all true. Mm. Um, the fact that he could think about hosting the Taliban at Camp David in the week of 9-11 is, is, is just... I don't know what to say about Donald Trump anymore. It's it's quite something. I know what to say. I know exactly what his modus operandi is, and that is he wants a legacy. He wants something to say, I have done something that uh, Obama didn't do. I'm not going to get the Nobel Prize like Obama did, but I need to do something. I'm going to have the Trump wall. No, that's failed. I'm going to negotiate with North Korea and stop them testing missiles. No, that's been a miserable failure as well. So let's try the Taliban. I need Donald Trump's stamp on something that nobody else has done because of his vanity and his ego and because of his insecurities. It's as simple as that, Katie. He's not difficult to read. Hmm. He's so tone deaf, though, because to do it in the week of 9-11 or the anniversary of 9-11, I think, is, is, is so tone deaf. But you're absolutely right. He's looking desperately for a legacy. Uh, the question is, will he get it right? And the bigger question is, is he going to have another five years in which to do it? Yeah, please, please no. Please let it let it not happen. Although, from a broadcasting point of view and in a sick way, I want him to stay there, so I've got lots of material to work on. And talking about 9-11, of course, this is the man that said, once the Twin Towers had been demolished, he said, well, now the Trump Tower, or the, my Trump building is now the tallest building in New York. That is how desensitized he is to reality. Absolutely right. And that audio, in fact, doing the rounds on social media a few months ago already, I'm sure it's going to be resurrected this week. I'm absolutely certain. And finally, Brexit and Boris, your ancestry is European, so you have to keep an eye on, on Brexit. Uh, I think Boris Johnson is trying to be like one of his heroes, Churchill, but he doesn't have the right yet to be Churchillian. He's too inexperienced. I think so too. And one defeat after the next is what Boris Johnson is receiving. For me, the biggest uh, blow, for me, of course, I don't know if politically one would see it as the biggest blow, was the resignation of his own brother, who said he yes. couldn't quite uh, put family values and political interests on the same level and had to, and had to resign. I think that's a huge blow. That says, that for me speaks volumes about what is happening in the UK and what uh, Johnson is doing at the moment. Katie Katafotis is the founder and head of Nala Media in Johannesburg. Katie, just remind us how we can get hold of you, please. You can find me on Twitter at Katie Katafotis. Katie, thank you so much for your time. We'll speak next Monday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.